welcome to the Nourish Circle podcast. I am Lori Shortzamudio, a registered dietitian living and working in the greater Toronto area in Ontario, Canada, and host of this podcast. Join me as I have conversations with some badass practitioners working in the health at every size and non-diet spaces. My hope is that through this podcast, we can create a circle of humans that continue to nourish us wherever we are on this journey. Today, my guest is Amy Severson, a registered dietitian nutritionist in Bellingham, Washington State, whose work focuses on body liberation, fat acceptance, and intuitive eating through a social justice lens. She holds a bachelor degree in food and nutrition from Montana State University and is completing a master's in professional practice from Iowa State University. She is a registered dietitian in the state of Washington, a certified intuitive eating counselor, and is working towards becoming a certified body trust provider. I really enjoyed my conversation with Amy, and I hope that you did too. Just for some context, we recorded this the beginning of March. It was right before the whole um, COVID-19 quarantine started in my province, um, as well as in part of the United States. Um, And so at the end, we kind of allude a little bit to what's coming um, without really knowing exactly what was coming. So I just want to kind of let you know that we um, were just had been talking offline before about all the stuff that we were hearing and seeing about COVID-19 and we're just really unsure as to what was going to happen and I don't think either one of us would have expected what has been happening. So with that said, I just want to wish everyone well. This has been a very difficult time for so many, I know, and I'm hopeful that you are finding support in the areas that you need it. Um, And if not, I hope you are able to reach out for support at some point if you are looking for it. Again, I just want to say thank you for taking some time to join the Nourish Circle. And I hope that you get some amazing stuff out of this conversation that we had, where Amy talks about her journey into dietetics, how she wanted to be the after picture, um, and not the before picture while she was working, and what that meant to her, and how she kind of uh, realized what was happening in her her at that time. Uh, we talk about working in different health spaces. We talk about some articles that Amy has written that I'm going to link to in the show notes. It's a really wonderful conversation. So again, I hope that you are well, and I hope that uh, those around you and close to you are well as as well. Um, So take care and enjoy this episode. Hello, Amy. Welcome to the Nourish Circle podcast. Hi, Lori. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm so excited that we are connecting. We've um, tried to schedule some stuff, but we're both a little bit kind of busy all the time. So this is so exciting to get to sit down and have this little chat. I'm sitting anyway. I'm, I'm sitting too, so it okay. works. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get started, I always like to ask if there are any identities or privileges that you're comfortable sharing with the audience, and also if there's any paradigms that you um, work from that kind of will inform your answers going forward. Yeah. Um, so I am, I'm white. I'm very, very white. Um, I am straight passing and I am on the, I'm on the smaller fat side of fat. Um, so small mid fat ish. So, you know, my, my experiences when it comes to body size and stuff are still significantly more privileged than a lot of folks. And I like to really acknowledge that piece. Um, and now I think I come from a place of 
some class privilege as well, which I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, So I know that you're a registered dietitian, um, like myself. And so I've been following your work on social media and some of your writing for a while now. So I was wondering if you could kind of start with maybe how you got into the world of dietetics and how you've moved through to the place that you're working from now. Yeah. Well, I started with dietetics. Um, it's how I went to college. Like I went to college with the anticipation of, oh, I'm going to be a dietitian. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I had a little bit of, um, I don't know, a break after high school. I took a few years off from school after high school. Um, so I had like some time to really decide what I wanted to do, which was why I went to school. Like this is my major and I'm going to keep it. I don't think that's really that common anymore. I don't um, think so either. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I went to school after high school, I would be an English teacher, I guess right now, which I'm real glad I'm not. Um, <laughs> I don't like kids that much. I have one, but don't like them that much. Um, but I, so I went to school with that that intention. Um, and that came partly from this place of, um, really wanting to deliver a different experience than ones that I'd had in the past. Um, I saw my first dietitian when I was uh, 11 or 12. Um, and it was a terrible experience. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, they're like things from that, you know, that very, very diet, very, very weight based experience that still like kind of bounce around in my mind occasionally. Um, they don't really impact me anymore, but they're still like, I still remember what she said. And um, oh. I didn't want people to have that experience. Um, I felt like there could be a different experience. Um, that on that same intention, um, at the time, my, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, is a type one diabetic. And oh. so we had spent like I had seen him go to so many dietitian appointments, mm-hmm. so many dietitians, and be treated very. Um, we went to the same. We were from the same town, and I think maybe there was a bad experience with some of the dietitians where we lived, where we lived, because he had terrible experiences as well. Not not as fat phobic, but very one size cookie cutter fits all. Yes. Um, for his diabetes, and it just didn't work for him. He was an athlete. He was he was diagnosed as a teenager and was in that very much in that very rebellious, I don't want to care about my diabetes phase. Um, so I really wanted to, to be a different type of dietitian, um, which was one driving factor for me to, to get into school for that. And the other one was I was very much disordered and very, very in a disordered eating place. And I wanted to learn how to do it better. Um, I was like, maybe if I go to school, I'll learn the secret and I'll become like the after picture and they'll all be better. Um, surprise, I actually got more disordered in college, but. Um, Which that, I think is common. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for a lot of, a lot of, not just dietetic students, but for everybody. Yeah. Um, but that, those are the two driving factors that got me there. And then throughout college, it was like, why am I? Like, why am I doing this? Like, it was a lot of, like, I'm not, I didn't fit in with my with my peers as much because they were all very thin, very um, healthy. Like, I saw a lot of, like, orthorexic tendencies around me more so than I saw um, even, like, more drive for thinness. Okay. Because um, I was never really, like, 
ostracized for being in the bigger body, but I, I definitely didn't feel like I fit in the same way as everybody else. Um, and I also had this like really weird, um, it was weird at the time. Now it like makes a lot of sense to me, but it's kind of weird, um, feeling that I didn't want to prescribe diets to anybody. Like I hated the idea of putting someone on a low carb diet or on a, you know, whatever. It like really rubbed me the wrong way. And except for me, like, of course I could do those things. Yeah, of course. (laughs) But anyone else like, Oh, why would I do that? But for me, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um, But for some reason it really, really rubbed me the wrong way. And I, you know, I went through school, I finished, I graduated. And after I graduated is when I started to get um, treatment for my own eating disorder. Um, And that's when I learned about health at every size and I learned about intuitive eating, which took me a little bit to kind of come around to, but it made so much sense. Like after I finally let it sink into my brain, it made so much sense. And yeah. So then I kind of continued my career on that trajectory and now I'm here. Wow. That's, it's kind of cool that you, even though you weren't introduced to health at every size and intuitive eating, it almost felt like there was something in you that you knew, like maybe not necessarily the words or like the language around it, but you weren't comfortable with prescribing diets and it just didn't feel right to you. So it's kind of interesting that you felt that way before even being introduced to the concepts. Yeah. I don't know where that came from, but I'm actually really glad it was there. Yeah. It's super interesting to me because normally um, when I speak to individuals, I don't hear that in that order. (laughs) It's usually the other. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's super interesting to me about your now husband having type one. I worked as a type one dietitian for many years and um, it's, very structured, I guess the word was. And I, I personally struggled as a dietitian. Um, I'd be like, yeah, sure. You should eat this many carbs if you want. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and it wasn't overly um, encouraged by my colleagues as much. Um, and, and so it's interesting. I do think there's a little bit, maybe over time, there's been some lightening up. But I used to always say that you could ask a person when they were diagnosed with type 1 and you could almost figure out their food issues by what decade they were diagnosed in because of how it was treated. I don't know if mm-hmm. that makes sense, but because there was so there was the period of time it was so restrictive. And then there was the eating certain amounts at certain times. And it's just so interesting that you had that experience as well with your own personal experience of kind of knowing what felt good and not wanting to be like that typical dietitian. Yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. There is definitely this like timeline of how we have prescribed um, treatment for diabetes. Yeah. And yeah, that was his experience. And I saw him fight against it so hard. And that really stuck with me too. Yeah. I just, I'm, my thought is always the teenagers are so difficult. Um, being a teenager in general and then being a teenager with type one and trying to kind of not have type one because you want to fit in. It's yeah. such a crazy time. And I think sometimes we forget that as practitioners. Yeah, I kind of expect anymore. Like, if, if I hear any stories of a teenager having a chronic illness, especially ones that they have to self-manage, mm-hmm. I'm just not surprised by like that rebellion phase because, of, of course, they're going to go through it. They need to experience life. Yeah, and, like I can't imagine being, you know, a teenager and having that kind of restrictive. No, just just entire life placed on them. 
whether it's food or anything. It's just, that's a lot. Yeah. And it's a full-time job unto itself managing. Right. And it's, they want to be teenagers and they want, they have to go to school and they, you know, have their extracurriculars. Why do we expect them to do a 24 hour, seven day a week, full-time job on top of that? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It honestly, it was one of the most, um, life altering work experiences for me. I learned so much from my clients in that area. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm glad you were able to take things from that. Yeah. It is. People are people. And that's where I really learned to sit with clients and learn their story. Yeah. I love that. that. Yeah. Um, this isn't about me. This is about you. I should. <laughs> Sorry. Um, about you too. That's fine. There you go. Um, and so when I'm kind of thinking about you felt that you want to be a different dietitian than the ones that you had experienced at a young age. Um, but then the content that you were probably getting at school was very much weight normative and diety. What is, was it not? Oh yeah, it definitely was. Um, I think I was in school, <clears throat> I graduated from college in 2015. So it was kind of around the time where it was becoming or starting to like have a conversation about BMI being maybe not the most accurate measure. Mm -hmm. um, so like conversations like that would come up in my classes, like, BMI is a flawed system in one class and then like later the same day I would have another class it's like here's how you calculate energy needs based on BMI or um, here's how we calculate ideal weight and you know it was kind of contradictory in a lot of ways yeah. with that like you could tell they were trying to be a little bit progressive but there was still this like and here's this super simple ideal weight calculation yeah <laughs> which is great um <laughs> So it was like, it was kind of trying to push that and trying to be more progressive, but also wasn't at the same time. Um, but I also, yeah, I sat with that a lot with a lot of this. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever been in that ideal weight range. I've definitely never been the ideal weight based on that. Like, I can't remember the name of the calculation because I've erased it from my memory. Um, <laughs> it's gone. I'm sitting here going, I don't even know what it is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's one where it's like you add five or something. I don't remember that one. I don't um, know. <laughs> but I was like, I've never been to that weight since I was like in middle school. Mm -hmm. And that's like now I know that that's fine with me. But back then it was like, I need to get closer. Like no one's going to take me seriously as a dietitian until I get there. Um, that's why I like desperately wanted to be, quote, the after picture. Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't think anyone would take me seriously. And I actually had that kind of not like blatantly reinforced, like explicitly, mm -hmm. but kind of implicitly reinforced um, by just like some of the way people would talk around me. Um, like I said, I didn't experience a lot of like, I didn't really experience discrimination in my class or like um, no one like made fun of me or anything like that. People were really nice. I think I'm a really like bubbly make friends with people kind of person mm -hmm. once I come out of my little introvert shell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fade into the background until I'm ready to come out. Kind of person. Yeah. Um, and so no one was like, no one was mean to me. Um, but also there was like messaging that I definitely got, whether it was intended or not, um, that I needed to be a little bit different in order to be successful. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, I, I live in a thinner body and felt the same thing. I graduated about 10 years before you. Um, and we were still very into BMI and all that kind of stuff 10 years before. So it's nice to see there 
in that time there was a bit of a shift. But I, I do think there's that, oh, you need to look a certain way and performatively eat a certain way, right, mm-hmm. as a dietitian. Um, and people look at your food and what you're doing. And I think, it, I don't know about your class, but I found it somewhat competitive around colleagues um in university it was who could bring the most vegetables to class or something weird like that There's so many people eating salads in my classes so many salads <laughs> yes i remember it was um so i was in university before the um water bottle carrying like a reusable water bottle oh yeah so you'd see like the whole line of like the 1.5 liter um evian water bottles and then all <laughs> like the vegetables i remember sitting there being like this is just the way my brain is. I'm like, I'm going to go get a Coke and see what happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, it, it, it was just so blatant at that point as well. And, and I'm not sure we've really 100% moved away um, from that. I think it's better, but I think there's still a lot of that within nutrition world. Yeah, I think we've like inched away from it, but we're still very steeped in that. Yeah. I wonder what we need to do to get fully out of it. That's a big question. That's a big question. <laughs> I wish I could answer that question. I feel like I'd be, I don't know. Yeah. Probably, probably hated by the entire nutrition world, but that's okay. <laughs> this is true. Um, so once you learned about Hazen, the non-diet and intuitive eating, um, and did you start kind of putting that into your practice? Yeah. Well, I, so I was a um, DTR at the time that I started treatment. I don't so I was a, it's a, uh, dietetic technician registered. Um, oh, so I, it. yeah, it's a, it's a weird, like in between step that I think only the U S has between, mm-hmm. um, like when you graduate with your, like the, the correct prereqs for your internship, but before you complete your internship, so you can oh, be registered. Got it. So I hadn't done my internship at that point, but I had this like middle of the ground credential. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working, I was working in food management at a hospital. Um, real glad to be done with food management. Enough <laughs> um, food management in my life. Um, and so I, I wasn't working directly with, like directly with, with um, any person. I was, I would occasionally work with people who had like specific food preferences or sometimes really, really strange, restrictive requests for mm-hmm. the kitchen to provide them. Um, but it was mostly just management stuff. Okay. But um, in that time frame, I did um, start applying for internships and got into an internship. Um, and I remember when I got into my internship, I was obviously extremely excited, mm-hmm. but I was also really nervous because it was very well beyond the like, oh my God, this is going to take 50 hours of my week every week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> beyond that obviously yeah. and the cost yeah. um but it was this like is this like if I'm gonna invest this much time and this much money into this is this what I want to do like how am I going to be able to um really bring in these things that are now like core well they were becoming core beliefs for me they definitely are now mm-hmm. but how do I ensure that I can use those because I was really I had never met a non-diet dietitian before. Um, I had never met anyone beyond like therapists who yeah. really truly believed in haze. Um, I was part of like Facebook groups and stuff, so I knew they existed, but I'd never actually like seen their practice and seen how they work. Um, so I was really unsure, and 
like really, I worked, you know, I worked a lot with my therapist and that kind of thing. Um, it was, she encouraged me to like look at different people's websites and, you know, see what they did. And it really actually was helpful to see that there are, that there were dietitians and are still dietitians who obviously, who um, really deeply believe in, in haze and really yeah. deeply believe in intuitive eating and aren't out there like prescribing diets and stuff. So that gave me some hope. Um, and my internship was an interesting experience because there's, there was a lot of um, weird weight requirements and diets that I had to give people. And, you know, I did a, a rotation in WIC, which is like public service. And there was a lot of like little babies shamed in that time frame. I was only there for a week and it was, really? was a lot of little babies shamed. Um, oh. It was really kind of sad. Like, um, I don't know if Canada has WIC. No, we don't. Or anything like it. You know what WIC is? Um, um, women, infant, children. Yeah. It's like this check-like system where you, you people uh, within a certain, like, age group or, like, pregnant women okay. are able to access, like, um, very limited types of foods at the grocery store. It's like food stamps, but limited. Oh, um, Okay. And it includes, like, you get produce, you can get, like, rice and cheese. Um, it's, like, the staples if you can't afford it. Oh. Um, but it is very limited. But they would, so we, one of the requirements of being on WIC is you had to, once you, well, if you're pregnant or once you gave birth, you had to bring your kid in or yourself in to be monitored. Like, you had to have, like, iron levels checked, weight oh. checked. Um, a lot of it was, I think, to make sure that the nutrition was actually being given to the kids and like mm -hmm. given to you. Um, and like if you were anemic they, or too anemic, they would bump up some of the iron containing, you know, things. Mm -hmm. um, so like that was a cool thing, but we would like then weigh these little babies and be like, well, how much juice are you giving him or her? And hmm. I, like, I remember hearing that so many times, like, well, you know, you really shouldn't give your six month old juice. And then I remember hearing moms like, I'm, not giving them juice like why would I do that well I don't know like it was just a lot of like mm, I kind of doubt that you're not giving your kid juice like really? it was yeah it was it wasn't like all the time but there were like a lot of really skeptical moments yeah and I like heard some stories about like they would tell me stories about people who would come in before I was there and she was giving her son Dr. Pepper and I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so it was really like a strange experience. And I, you know, did my, my clinical rotations at the hospital. Those were actually some of the better ones because the dietitians there were really um, interested in like the way, the angle I took, like I didn't like to, I obviously had to do like doctor prescribed diets if they were given. But I didn't like to talk to people about, like, this is how much weight you need to lose, or this is why you need to follow this diet. It was more like I would actually sit down with a person and like, ask them what's going on. And I think I found actually a couple eating disorders in the hospital because no one else had screened for them. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I did a rotation at the um, diabetes clinic in town as well. And that was interesting experience there was a lot of a lot of good I got out of that I'm really interested in diabetes for obvious reasons mm -hmm. um but there was also you know there's a lot of type 2 diabetes and which meant that there was a lot of requirements yeah. that went along with that which was 
I was, I, I learned a lot from that and I was really glad I had that experience. And um, yeah, after my internship was over, I decided I was going to work at the hospital. That was my initial plan. Mm-hmm. But I decided that I wanted to just open a private practice. So I um, was an independent contractor for another dietitian in town for a little bit. Um, and then I, after about a year and a half, about two, no, about a year, I um, stepped away and am now completely on my own. And it was, it's been really cool. It's really cool to have my own practice and really not have to prescribe weight loss to anybody, not feel that pressure or get those like, this is the requirements of the job. Yeah. It is really cool, isn't it? <laughs> I feel really lucky in that regard. Like, I don't have to, like, follow those weird requirements. Yeah. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with that. <laughs> um, it sounds like, you know, it was such a um, – internship was such a path, right? You got to see so many things that you wanted to do but things you didn't want to do, mm-hmm. um, which sometimes I think we should promote internships as being that way. Learn kind of what you don't want to do. Yeah. Not only we need just, we need to challenge that too. Yeah. Like yeah. it definitely made me step out of the hospital. Like, Oh, I don't think I really want to do that. Yeah. I, I actually went into mind thinking I wanted to just work in public health and mm-hmm. sit and write things and not talk to humans. And then I discovered I really like talking to humans. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Um, so yeah, it can be such a, a different experience. Um, and even when you talked a little bit there about working in the WIC program for internship, that um, listening to what the clients were saying, like even if they didn't say it in words, like just the, no, I'm not doing that. You probably learned a lot of how to phrase things and how to not make assumptions. Yes, absolutely. It yeah. was a good learning experience. Yeah. So now you are out in private practice on your own and doing your thing. And not only do you see clients, I've also read some articles that you've written. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I love reading um, the stuff that when you posted on some Facebook groups or, or other things where I've seen them. Um, so one I thought was, I really was super interesting was you wrote one on um, body positivity earlier this year. Yeah. And about the peaking of it. I was, I think it's a great article and I'm going to link it in the show notes. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, the either how it came to be, maybe thoughts, research, any editing pushback, anything about it. Cause it was just super cool to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I really love that article. It was really fun to write. Um, I can't, how did it come to be? I think I was talking with the editor I work with at Greatest and she is, I'm like, I'm really lucky like uh, to have found her or she found me, I think is probably the better, better way to phrase that. Um, she's very pro health of every size intuitive eating and body. Oh, that's so Not amazing. Even, it's, it's great. Um, so it was, it's, it's been a really good experience with that. She herself does not like push back against me or like, question some of the things that I say oh so um, so I think this was born out of like an email conversation we were having we were just like talking about I don't remember but it just kind of like oh that would be a cool article right mm-hmm. um so I started to do that and she requested it to be in this like listicle form um I have this this weird habit of when I sit down to to write I forget why I'm writing what I'm writing and like oh my God, why do I care about this? Like, oh no. (laughs) So 
so I started like frantically Googling everything that happened in 20, 2019. I'm like, what, what good body things have happened in 2019? And like asking <laughs> everybody. Um, so I found, I remembered the things I was thinking of, but it took me a little while of like, oh my God, why do I care about this subject? Um, and it was a really, it was just a really cool, um, cool piece to write. There was a lot of things I was really passionate about. Um, like I really wanted to talk about, I really want to talk about Shrill. I really want to talk about, honestly, the, the Bill Maher and James Corden. Oh, yeah. um, that one really, I think that actually might have been, it might have been the thing that like kind of prompted this. Um, because it's just, it's just an important conversation to have because I also, I have a very strange relationship with the progress for progress sake. Like, I feel like one of the things we get as a lot of pushback in the fat acceptance work mm -hmm. is, you know, but things have changed. Isn't that enough? Like, can't you be happy that you have this right? Or um, like Washington state where I live um, is now, it's now there's a legal precedent now to, you can't discriminate against um, a person because of their body size, um, which is really cool. Yeah. And I think I read about this in the article and the way that that piece was, or the, the precedent was written is that you can't discriminate against someone because of their body size, because it counts as a disability. Oh, which is like, well, we almost got there. Like, yeah. Oh, um, so close. <laughs> so close. So like, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of pushback against those kind of things, but like, but we can't be discriminated against in Washington state. Well, like, and they think it's because we're disabled. Um, like that, I, body size isn't a disability. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I have like this like weird, I want to be happy with like the little changes that happen, but I also am just not like, I can be like satisfied for a few minutes. I'm like, okay, now what? Like what's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. And that was really my hope with that, that article was like, cool, look at these things that have happened in 2019 that have never happened before like someone like Lizzo never would have topped the charts um we've never had a show like Shrill before well maybe we have but I haven't seen it I haven't um, seen it either yeah I'd love for there to be more please someone mm -hmm. tell me there's more um and we can do better like look at the things that we also royally fucked up in the past year um how can we improve on that how can we learn from those lessons like please stop body shaming Trump. We all hate him. Like everyone in the world is like, okay. Um, can we just not talk about his body size though? Like, I know. Ew. There's uh, so many other things. Like literally everything else about him as a human. Like <laughs> yeah. you pick the, the worst one to comment on. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I really think that it just, I really wanted to dig into, I don't know, the ability to be critical while still being, um, happy that things have changed. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you did a really great balance of that, to be honest, in that article. It was oh, thank you. wonderful. Um, and because I agree, I think in body positivity, it's kind of, you know, I, I hate to say, it, but I think it's getting a little co-opted, mm -hmm. um, by diet culture, or wellness culture, or whatever, whatever yeah. you want to call it. <laughs> all and those, all those things. And I think that it's, it really kind of pulls away that activism part of it, mm -hmm. right? It's the, it, exactly as you said, see, look, this happened. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still so much more that needs to be done. Um, and I think you do a really good job um, in your social media of pointing things out. Um, on So I follow you on Instagram, not to sound stalkerish. <laughs> um, but I find a lot of your, um, you say a quote and then you're like, dot, 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 love Amy. Um, it, I find, I, I really like that. Um, because you do, I find you point out a lot of different, maybe ideas or thoughts or just kind of reinforce um, some of them that come up. And I, I'm just wondering, how does it feel to put that out in the universe? Well, first of all, thank you. <clears throat> um, second of all, sometimes kind of scary. <laughs> um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm naturally a very introverted person and I really shy away from conflict. Mm-hmm. And starting, starting to put myself out there on social media more, which has really only happened over the last year, yeah. um, has really been a challenge for me to like, sit with the fact that people are going to be critical of me um, and of the ideas that I, I voice. Um, and I have basically decided that these things are too important for my own insecurities, basically, to keep me from saying them. Yeah. Because I don't think that there, well, I don't think that there are enough people who are, who are saying these things. I don't think that there are enough voices that are trying to point out some of these these things that we're 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 saying that are like as dietitians or as health professionals or as influencers um as humans Mm -hmm. that are just really problematic and there i don't think there are people who there's not there's not enough people there are people like i definitely want to say that there are people none of my ideas are brand new um uh, no one's ideas are new anymore. I'm not no, really. Not. No, <laughs> never. And there just aren't enough voices that are loud enough that are saying, you know, like you don't have to do this. Like you don't have to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it, like I'll have a conversation with somebody, and they're like, "Oh, wow, this feeling came up for me," which means I'm sure it's coming up for somebody else. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how I get the the idea to write about it like and there's been times where I feel like my pantry full of rice around me that I have like is low-key shamed by somebody even though I know they're not intending to do that yeah Yeah. and I'm like oh if I feel this way I'm sure somebody else does too Um, yeah and it's important to talk about oh 100% it's interesting I had a colleague once where uh, we were talking about sharing on social media and she said, your message isn't getting out enough because you're all sharing it to each other and not outside of the world, <laughs> like the haze world. And I was like, oh, you're right. Sometimes I wonder how many people, like when it gets blasted out, how many people outside of who are already interested in intuitive eating and health at every size are following some of the accounts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do think that's where privilege can step in um, because I am one of my big um platforms i guess is the best way to call it mm-hmm. is i really firmly believe that we have to lift up the more marginalized voices as much yeah. as possible yeah and i also have to acknowledge that sometimes that privilege particularly thin privilege mm-hmm. um sometimes it's male privilege there are some actually thin privileged males out there who are you know um talking about this and i think reaching wider audiences than the more marginalized folks could yeah. 
And again, I'm not exactly happy with that, but like it's progress. Um, so I'm sitting in this like, Ooh, we could do better, but okay. <laughs> um, and those voices, I think those, the voices that are more privileged, the ones that it's easier to hear like these messages from a thin person than it is from a fat person. Yes. Um, and the hope that we can move people into being able to hear it from a fat person. Like maybe that will become more mainstream. Yeah. Soon. It'd be cool. Yeah. Um, and the more we can move it into that, the, the, the better. And if we can bring people in with like, it's not a bait and switch. Not like a, I, I don't like, intuitive eating for weight loss or help at every size for ah. whatever that even is. Yeah. Um, Cause there are absolutely people who are doing that, oh, but, I know. <laughs> which is lovely, but mm-hmm. we could bring people like it. If it's easier for people to hear this message from a thin person and then like step into the world of it. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. I can sit with that for now. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. Um, to, to bring it to people who are really threatened by these ideas. Cause a lot of them are really threatening. It's yeah. kind of threatening a lot of core beliefs that a lot of people have. Oh yes. It, and beliefs that I think have been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Right. Like it's, it's, um, and it, I think it's about how, um, and I feel like you wrote something about this once, um, about centering thinness in fat acceptance. Like, are you doing that or are you, um, centering mar- more marginalized bodies. I think it's important to remember. Um, yeah, and it's, do you find you get a lot of um, trolling because of the stuff that you write on social? It comes and goes. Um, I seem to get like really weird waves of it and then it goes away for a long time. The main thing, like having a fairly public Instagram, you get some really weird DMs. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the, the funny thing about Instagram is you can't open, like you can, if you don't accept a message, you can't like open a picture. And I got a picture from someone who I'm pretty sure is not a real person the other day. And I'm really scared to open it. <laughs> um, totally. Pretty good. <laughs> so, to my husband, he's like, don't open that. You know what it is. <laughs> um, <yep>. so, <laughs> um, I'm just going to let that one sit there. But I do get, like I got in a few, few weeks ago, I got a really angry email from someone who, um, was really upset that I would tell people that they're allowed to eat cookies in recovery and they're allowed to, um, like I have cookies on my, my website, um, like pictures of some macarons or something. And they were really upset that I would, that I would say that, um, because they believe that their eating disorder was just sealed, um, from cutting out sugar, basically. Um, and it was a very like a very angry email, and they sent it to my editor actually, or oh. or they just sent it to Healthline or Greatest or something, which was yeah. interesting. But um, so like those kinds of things, like there's some people who are genuinely like I can tell that I'm just really pushing against their um, own internal beliefs, and there are some people who are frankly just trolly assholes who show up and say really rude things. Um, those ones get deleted pretty fast. Yeah, I try to leave space for people to be educated. Like if they seem like they want to hear, they want to learn. Yeah, I try to leave space for that. But if they're not, um, if they're just doing harm, I'm going to delete them. Yeah. Um, I'm also trying to allow like allow space for myself to be really snarky sometimes. Like, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think sometimes snark is as we heard, and 
I've had clients be like, how do you respond to this in real life? Like not, not talking about my social media, but like, I like my client will be like, I know someone who says this kind of thing. How should I respond to that? And I think responses on social media can actually be an example of that. Like, you know, if I tell them like, you can talk back or you can say you don't want to hear it, but I can't do it on my own social media. Yeah. Um, But if I can do it, then it's like, see, it is possible. Like you can do it. Yeah. No, it's so, I get that a lot too. How would you respond to this? (laughs) How would you respond? And I, I, Uh, do you really want to hear that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, what is your comfort level with F-bombs right now? Yeah, right. (laughs) How much can I curse? Like, yeah, (laughs) that is where we're going to start. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. Actually, when I first started this podcast, I wasn't going to put an E on it for explicit. And then I thought, oh my gosh, my topic's so explicit. (laughs) <laughs> I have to change that. Um, because I, like I just deserve like to walk around with like an explicit warning on me. I'm really sorry, everybody, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, my, my one of my children's first roots was the S word. And not we were it's fine. But <laughs> I we were playing. I have a six year old daughter, and we were playing Uno the other night. And she looked. My husband give her a draw four card or something, uh-huh. and she looked at him and went, "Bitch." <laughs> That was so well done. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm always like, but they use it in the proper context. Exactly. Really. We're just like, be careful who you say it around, okay? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm always like, please don't let the principal from school call. <laughs> um, or to my youngest, I'm like, keep your helmet on in hockey. And <laughs> right, don't okay. point your face at anybody. <laughs> but sometimes those are the only words you have. And I do find mm-hmm. when we talk about... Um, you know, diet culture, everything. Those are the only words I have. Exactly. Um, which I do find coming out of your mouth a little bit easier than typing them. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when exactly. you get the trolley stuff, you're not going to be like, da, da, da. Like, yeah. I think I do, but then I delete. But um, it's <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, ooh. Um, <laughs> it, it's so funny because it's just, um, I think you do build up, and I'm guessing you as well uh, with your social media and getting trolls and your writing. Like, I'm sure people, often comment on writing that you kind of build up a little bit of that I don't want to say like you know like wall a little bit of a wall Mm -hmm. and how to separate yourself from that kind of stuff which I think is important in this type of work yeah exhausting yeah it is exhausting and I well I don't read comments on any of the articles that I write um I honestly I I'm not sure if I know how because I've never tried um (laughs) Which is probably a good thing. I wouldn't learn. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a way, but I have not figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I avoid those ones. Um, and something I, this is actually a conversation I had with um, Lindo Bacon at one point. We were talking about trolling, about, um, they were mentioning Reagan Chastain, how Reagan Chastain has a, like, multiple, like, Reddits. Um, dedicated to hate groups for her really i didn't yeah it's wild like she gets a lot of hate um so we were kind of talking about like that context and um what it's like to be a marginalized person in a public arena Mm -hmm. and linda was talking about their story and um how they've experienced a lot of that and like what things are easier to roll off the back and which ones stick a little bit more. And we were talking about that. And one of the things that we both kind of agreed on is that 
one, don't read the comments. Two, um, there's a lot of things that people are going to say that, like, especially if you spend a lot of time really hating yourself, mm-hmm. you probably said to yourself at some point. Like, yes. Most things that, anyway, like, this is what I've really come to is most things people are going to say to me is something I said to myself. Yeah. And I don't believe that anymore about me. And if I don't believe it, then they can't get to me. Like, those comments can't get to me because I've done the work to talk myself out of those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And um, for the most part, they still kind of bounce around back there, but I know how to like, shut them out or when I need to call my therapist, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, a very good skill to have. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. So, like, I really do believe that there's, especially when it comes to my body and it comes to the way I look, like, I don't feel like anyone's going to surprise me with anything they're going to say to me. Because um, I've also heard the horror stories of what some people get. And I mean, my, my trolling hasn't been that severe yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might one day, but I kind of expect it. If it happens, I'm not really going to be shocked. Um, yeah. That being said, I am also more sensitive to like professional trolling. So if people like question my ability to be a professional, I'm more like, oh God, like, am I a professional? Like, it takes me a, more, a little bit longer. But yeah. <laughs> for no, I, I totally relate to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, oh, am I really a dietitian? I don't know. Um, let me check my credential or last. Oh, I have Googled myself into the college to make sure I was still there. <laughs> I love that. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm still one. I don't good, know. Good. Okay. Yeah, I really question some days. <laughs> Did they just remove me without saying anything? I yeah, know. I don't know where I am. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, you are such a pleasure to talk to. I have decided if I ever end up in Washington State, I'm finding you for coffee. Absolutely. This, this is so, this has been so much fun, but I'm also trying to be super mindful of your time. Um, because I'm a person who is not very good at paying attention to time. I same problem with that. Um, <laughs> so I kind of just like to finish up the podcast with the question of what is nourishing you now? What is nourishing me now? I, I'm not sure. Wow. That's a big question. I am taking a little bit more of a break from social media, um, partly for my own mental health, because we were talking before we started recording how exhausting this year has been. Yes. And um, it's only March. <laughs> it's, it's only going still. Um, yeah. Hello, coronavirus. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it's lovely. So I'm taking a bit of a break, which is kind of screwed with a bit of my algorithm. Like I get hidden a lot faster, which mm. can be Instagram. Um, yeah. But I'm kind of stepping back into that space now. But I've been working a lot this year on finding ways to take care of myself. And it's been, I've realized I've come back into reading a lot more and not specifically at the request of my husband and my counselor and my own brain has not been workbooks, like mm. work-related books. Um, mm-hmm. I am getting back into the books that I actually really enjoy reading. Um, and that's been really nourishing for me. And finding ways to like spend time with my kid and um my husband it's been a very strange year for us personally and we are just getting to hang out which is kind of nice and I'm trying to allow that space for myself to to breathe and I think that's really important is that we all need that space to to breathe yeah I think we've lost the the benefit of hanging out Mm -hmm. to be honest um 
uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, I had this conversation with my husband recently about we just need to sit still together for a while. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you find lots of hangout time in the near future. Thanks. I hope you do too. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> if listeners are interested, where can they find you in your work? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram as Amy underscore RD. It's my name is spelled weird. It's A-M-E-E underscore RD. Um, my website is prospernutritionandwellness.com. Um, I have a medium blog, which is Oscar with Amy. I haven't been writing very much on it, but um, in the works to do more. Cool. Um, ADD makes it, I have ADHD and it makes it really hard to like narrow down on one project. I do like that kind of at a time. Um, I hear you. <laughs> that being said, I have a lot of big projects coming up. So if you start following me or stick around, check me out every once in a while. Um, some really cool stuff is in the works. So. Oh, exciting. I can't wait yeah. to see. Yeah. I'm really excited to start talking about it more. <laughs> well, after you release it, I can always go back in and add things to show notes if anybody's coming back and listening to this later. So Awesome. Cool. Just let me know and I will put all that in. Yeah. Um, well, Amy, it's been super awesome to talk to you today and just to get to know a little bit more about you and your work. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing time and space with us um, in our Nourish Circle today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great talking to you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Nourish Circle. Don't forget to like us on iTunes or Spotify and subscribe so that you never miss an episode.